What's up, everyone? My name is Christian Baldanza Di Tacchio. And this is Giuliano Caleri. And this is Tifosi Football Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today on the eve of a special derby, La Roma, going up against the Laziale. We got a big, big, big podcast coming up here where we're going to break down that really special derby. But not only is that game so important today or in this episode, everybody, the most important, I think, game coming out is going to be Juventus Inter Milan. That is basically Scudetto chances are on the line there. Season defining. Season Season defining games. Yeah. I think both of these games are season defining for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, so we've got a very great episode for you today. We're going to break down every game coming up this weekend on this match day 18. Uh, this is technically going to be the halfway point after this uh, after this match day. Yeah. And uh, wow, we've already gone through half. I mean, we're a little bit late because the season was delayed a bit, but they're making up for it. So uh, let's just jump right in. Let's get started. This exciting match day 18. Starts off with a bang. I don't know why this game is on a Friday. This game should be either Saturday at 2:45 or Sunday at 2:45. I know they gave the Milan or they gave uh, Inter Milan and Juve the two Sunday 2:45 slot. This game should be the Saturday slot, but for some reason they decided to throw this game in. Must be because of their Coppa Italia fixtures. I, yeah, that is why. Um, still, they should get a this is they should get a prime time slot. Friday night is not a prime time slot. Everybody's having coffee. <laughs> You know, people are just happy to be off of work. But anyways, let's just jump right in. Roma, Lazio, kick off the week. It's going to be a tough game. You tell me what you think. What do I think? You're the Roma man. I think Roma's going to win this game. That's what I think is going to happen. So this is going to be an ultimate test for both Roma and for Lazio. Um, Roma's record against elite opposition has been abysmal over the past, I want to say, three seasons. So do we consider Lazio elite this season? Lazio's a big team. The last time the, the last time Roma won the Derby was in 2017. It was a long time ago. Um, not, And that's a Roma victory. Most of these games ended in draws. Yeah. Most of these games ended in draws. And Lazio doesn't have our number. We have more wins in this Derby than Lazio does. Mm-hmm. But... 90% of the time, it feels like 90% of the time, it's a draw. <laughs> that's that's what it feels like. Um, but Roma's record against a top four from 2018, 2019, 2019, 2020, I mean, it's abysmal. Two victories, nine draws, five losses. So there's, very, there's a big struggle against uh, elite teams. But this season, is Lazio an elite team? I would say they're getting there. They're getting there. They've turned their fortunes around. They have. They've won four straight games. They've won back to back. Yep. And they've kept four consecutive clean sheets in yes. the city. Yeah. So they're finding their form. Last loss came to uh, AC Milan. Yeah. For them. So so three, three, uh, three game winning streak or three, three game undefeated three streak. Three game undefeated them. streak. Three straight clean sheets. No, uh, one clean sheet. Oh, one clean sheet? With My Parma. apologies. See, that goes to show you how much I pay attention to Lazio. <laughs> I don't. I don't. But this is the reason why this game is so important. Both of these teams have the ambition of finishing top four, finishing in a Champions League spot. That's Lazio's realistic hope right now. Lazio knows if they lose this game, it's going to be tough. 
it's going to be tough to get in the top four because they have a lot of ground to catch up with, right? Because mm-hmm. they're one of those teams on the outside looking in. Roma have set themselves up in a good way where they're fi- they're sitting in third right now. Obviously, you got uh, Juventus and Napoli breathing down your neck, Atalanta breathing down your neck, and they all all three of those teams have a game in hand. The only good thing we got going for us is Juve Napoli. That game in hand is against each other, so one of them's yeah. going to climb up and one of them's going to drop even further down the table. Um, so what are we what are we looking at? Matchup wise between the two starting lineups, who do you think Roma should even start with in this game to counter Lazio's I, I think style of play? As even though I say these guys are going to start, even though I I want the guy up top to start, it's going to be Eden Zeko. That's not the guy I want to start. I want to see Borja Mayoral in this game. Um, but knowing Paulo Fonseca, Eden Zeko is going to be the guy that comes out. It's it, it's predictable at this point, and I'm it's no it's no knock on Paulo Fonseca. I think he's a fantastic manager. Just this is how he plays. He goes back to what he knows. He plays he plays reserved. He plays scared. Um, and uh, I I don't know if Eden Zeko's gonna come out and show up. I all I can do is hope as a Roma fan that this guy comes out and shows up. They're gonna have to rely on Mkhitaryan and Pellegrini to bury the goals. Maybe even a Jordan Vertu. Does Pedro come? I don't know if Pedro's healthy enough. No, Pedro's out. He's out, so we don't have Pedro. As of right now. Yeah, as of right now, he's out, so we we most likely won't have Pedro. The only really good things we got going for us is we stole that tie. We earned that tie against Inter. Stolen. We we, we earned that tie against Inter. Roma uh, pit pocket over there. Yeah, okay. Um, Paul Lopez stood on his head last game. Hopefully, he brings that into this game. They're going to need Paul Lopez to stand on his head, I think. Which he should. Mirante is still out injured. Yeah. Hence why he, sh- he started in the uh, yeah. inter game. And Paul Lopez should stand on his head in this. He needs to because when you got guys like Chido Immobile coming at you, uh, it's going to be. Uh, I- I'm I'm nervous about this game. I I am really nervous about this game because both of these teams have to win this game. This is a must win game for both teams. A tie is not good enough. So it, what what does Roma do? To counter the midfield of Lazio, Milinkovic, Savic, and Luis Alberto, most notably, what's what's Roma's answer? Roma's answer, Roma's answer is to clog up the midfield and suffocate them. That's what you got to do, and it's going to be Jordan Vertu to do it. Maybe Gonzalo Villar to do it. I think, I think Paulo Fonseca should try something different, and I think you should put Cristante and Vertu side by side in the middle. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Spinazzola on the left side. Um, Pellegrini's probably going to be on the right side, or Karsdorp's going to probably be on the right side. And on the, I don't mind Karsdorp. This Rick Karsdorp that showed up for this season for Roma, he's actually been putting it, putting in some decent numbers. So, Karsdorp on the right side, Spinazzola on the left side. Uh, you have to go with uh, Ibanez, Smalling, and Mancini as your back three, and then at the top, obviously, you got Pellegrini, Mkhitaryan, and then it's going to be Eden Zeko. I want to see Borja Mayoral start instead, but knowing Paulo Fonseca, it's going to be Eden Zeko. And it'll be interesting to see what happens here because Roma, or sorry, Lazio is stylistically a counter-attacking team, mm-hmm. uh, but they they passed their first test with Parma where they controlled the game and dominated them. Are they going to let Roma play with the ball? Are they going to go back to their old ways? Who knows? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Roma, I'd say... They had, I think, most of the possession in the intergame as well. There, it was very broke. It was very it was even. It, it was even. So it Ro- was even. But Roma's not afraid to uh, keep possession in, in the games. I yeah. think Lazio's 
willing to sit back more than enter. Roma's yeah, Roma's a little more versatile that they could play counterattack and they can play um, possession ball. The one thing that I will say about Roma in these big games, so in the in the in the in the games against the lower the lower level teams like the mid table below, um, Roma play when Roma plays a counterattacking game, it's deadly. But when Roma plays a counterattacking game against the top four, we've seen it against Inter for 20 minutes. We saw it against Atalanta. Uh, we even saw it against Sassuolo. They're, when they play counterattack against teams like that, they really struggle. I mean, Atalanta, they got blown out. It just backfired on them completely. And uh, Sassuolo, they were lucky to get away with what they did, right? Yeah. So I think they have to go in this game. Do not play a counterattack. Play a possession. And which will fall into Lazio's hands, but all you got to do is you got to make sure you cut off Ciro Immobile. Can Chris Smalling do it? I don't know. Gianluca Mancini has evolved into a... He's evolving into a very good center back that's both fast, that can attack, and come back, and not pick up a yellow card every single game. Does Gianluca Mancini get the task of watching Ciro? Or does Ibanez get that? It's There's so many question marks up in the air for this Roma team. But I think if we get... This is a season-defining moment. I mean, after this game, who are we play next? Who's Roma playing next? I'd have to... I believe it's Milan. I'd have to check the schedule. Is I it Milan again? I believe it's Milan. I believe. Let me just, uh, let me just double yeah, check Yeah, go here. take a look. What I'm going to bring up uh, between these two teams... The creative player in both of these teams is very obvious. Luis Alberto, score a shot creating actions. He has created sixty three this year. So what a shot creating action is? It's a pass or a shot that leads to a shot. So a shot can be a rebound and then it leads to another shot. Uh, that's how that's qualified. Or the the second of two passes. So Luis Alberto is uh, he's at sixty three for Lazio, almost. 20 more than the closest, uh, his team member, closest team member, uh, Chiro is second behind him. So the creative side of Lazio's game all runs through Luis Alberto. Yeah. That's the main guy to shut down in Lazio. For Roma, it's Mkhitaryan. They have two. And Pellegrini. Number one, Pellegrini. Number two, Mkhitaryan. Both sitting at, in the 60s, Lorenzo Pellegrini, 66 shot created actions and Mkhitaryan, 64. The yeah. closest next to them is Ed and Jack with 37, yeah. which is uh, very low. So it's very obvious. Well, I mean, you want to shut down these two teams, y- yeah. you got to take out yeah. these players. The one thing I will say is the numbers are so low for Borja Mayoral because he's barely got any playing yeah, time. That's why they're low, and that's why he's not on that list. Yeah, he's not on that list for that reason. And yeah. Jack was on that list. Pedro was tied with Jack actually for 37. So. Wow. He's and he's uh, hasn't played the last few matches due to injury, so it goes to show you how vital he's been. Yeah. But if Mkhitaryan and Pellegrini are taken out of this game, that's a lot of work for that Lazio defense to take out two of them. To take out two, yeah, and that's where Roma has the advantage. For yeah. Roma, it's just one guy you got to worry about. Yeah, I think I think Lazio is going to focus on Mkhitaryan. If I were Lazio, I would want to focus more so on Pellegrini, and here's my reasoning why. Lorenzo Pellegrini, unlike Mkhitaryan, Mkhitaryan will come in, Mkhitaryan will create his chances. Mkhitaryan can play a striker role, he can play attacking mid-creative role, and he sets most of his stuff up in the box. Lorenzo Pellegrini, the thing I love about him is if he doesn't see an opening, and he's and he's if he doesn't see an opening inside the box, but he sees an opening and take a shot, he'll take it. Yeah, and that's da- that's dangerous. 
So if you're Simone Anzaghi, you got to totally isolate Lorenzo Pellegrini because I think he's more dangerous than Henrik Mkhitaryan in this game. And Lorenzo Pellegrini, being being a Roman, being a Romanista, there's a lot on the, there's there's a lot in this game for him. Mm-hmm. This is a, a derby like this means a lot to him. So you know he's going to bring his A game. And uh, just to get back real quickly, so I was wrong. I'm kind of relieved about that. So after this game for Roma, so Milan's pretty good then, eh? Uh, yeah, I am. I am worried about them. But after this game for Ro- after Roma plays Lazio, we got Coppa Italia next week against Spezia. But then the next, the weekend, your favorite team, Spezia. Yeah, but on the weekend we play Spezia again in the league. So we play Spezia two games in a row, back to back losses. Th- no, then we for Spezia, yes. Then we play Hellas Verona. Yeah. So you know we'll be gunning for That'll that. That'll be game. a tough game, yeah. And then we got Juve. So, so not an easy schedule. It's not. It's well, Spezia. Uh, we should hammer them, but. Re- recently, recently beat a Sampdoria, actually, which we should yeah. touch upon. Spezia, uh, just to break away from this quick, we'll just talk yeah. five seconds. Spezia beat Sampdoria 2-1. Hard-fought game. Tackles flying in left, right, and right. Uh, Spezia smash and grab on Sampdoria. But anyway, yeah. great game. Check out the highlights if you get a chance. But back to this game. So it, lo- it looks like, in terms of creativity, goal-scoring ability, Roma has the edge. Now, in regards to the defense... Who would you say has the edge here? If we look at the stats, Lazio conceding 1.47 goals a game. Roma conceding 1.53 per game. We're at the halfway mark of the season. We're at the halfway mark. It's pretty accurate. But the thing is, when Roma plays big teams, they concede concede a lot more. So I would say the edge, as much as I hate to say that, the edge has to go to Lazio defense. Yeah. I have to say that. So... See, I can be partial. You can be partial. So what does Lazio have to do then to beat Roma? Lazio has to shut down Roma's attack. I think it'll be high scoring. Think this will be a high scoring game? I think it's gonna be you're gonna see like a three to two victory here. I think that's just how I see it. Yeah. Three to two. Yeah, it'll be it'll be uncharacteristic of uh, Lazio to concede that many goals. But I mean it it is possible. The Chiro the only thing I'll say uh, a problem for Lazio right now is Chiro has kind of been off the pace with his goal scoring. Yeah, but I'm sure he'll flop He's and get a down. penalty some at some point in this game because that's how he <laughs> scores all his goals. Yeah, like he he has been on fire. He didn't score in his last game uh, against Parma. He didn't look too great, but yeah. before that he's been on fire. So we'll see what kind of Chiro we get yeah. in what this you... match. And Caicedo, because you are looking at uh, Joaquin Correa is out. Yeah. Thank so God. you're looking at the <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at the duo of Caicedo, who has been scoring, and Chiro, which is going to be a handful for that uh, Roma defense. What do you think, result wise? Here, what are we looking at? Uh, I can't. I can't give Lazio a victory here. I can't. Be against. Be against your. Uh, I listen, everybody. I could be partial, but I just I just don't think Lazio is going to win. Roma's set up better to finish in the top four, and Roma knows. If we we need to really claim the scalp, like we really need to claim the scalp and a win. So this is this would probably be this would be one of your biggest wins of the season, right? Yeah. And motivationally, if this win this big win comes against Lazio, Roma's gonna be flying the rest of the way. This is the big bogey game. Yeah, it'll give him a lot of motivation going forward. It will. It will. That's why, for that, in that instance, I'm saying Roma's going to win this game. Three two, then, eh? Three to two, Roma. Whew, I don't know how to call this. I'm going to give 
I believe defense wins these types of games. Roma hasn't shown shown me the defense quality yet. Um, so I am going to give the the edge to Lazio. I think Chiro shows up, maybe wins a penalty. Yeah, it's it's almost a given. <laughs> Depends what kind of ref we get. Yeah, well, it's a big part of it. And Luis Alberto, I think he's going to be definitely hard to stop, especially with Milinkovic Savic too on form. Yeah, they're going to be very difficult to deal with. And I feel Lazio just edges out on defense. So for me, in all departments, Lazio's kind of leading right now to Roma. The difference is the goalkeeping. If Paulo Lopez has a game like he did against Inter, that will always keep you in. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. So it'll be a very tight game. Wish the fans could be in the stadium, but yeah, of course we know why. This one will be insane. Uh, but yeah, expect all Roma uh, Lazio uh, derbies are they're pretty intense, so definitely keep an eye on this one yeah well so Giuliano's telling you to take Lazio I'm telling you to take the Giallo Rossi so go ahead and take Roma uh next game uh takes place on Saturday it is at the uh it is at Bologna so Bologna will be hosting Hellas Verona Saturday morning Hellas Verona yeah which is it's an interesting game because I don't know how Verona approaches this game. I mean, they're not one of the they've they're not one of the greatest teams when it comes to the away. They're they they got thirteen of thirteen points out of eight games on the road. Yeah, and this is a team that this is for some reason these are teams that Hellas Verona struggles against. Yeah, and in a straight well, it's it's because they do have to come out of the shell a little bit more. Yeah. But they've been winning at the same time. They've been winning recently against teams like this. They beat Crotone. Yeah. Tied Verona. They uh, beat Spezia, although Spezia had a red card. Lost to Inter. Tied Fiorentina. Lost to Sampdoria. So, yeah. Verona is very hard to predict. They you are. just know that they don't lose a lot of games. No, they don't. They don't. They struggle. They like they, Any team struggles. But... Uh, if you look at uh, if you look at Bologna's record, it's pretty abysmal. I mean, they haven't won a game since they beat Crotone. Yeah, drawn a lot of games. Yeah, they drew. They've it, so it looks like eight. Um, and recently coming off loss to Genoa. Yeah, in their in their nine games, last nine games, their one win, five draws, three losses. Yikes! Yeah, that's that's a pretty bad form right now. Yeah, that's pretty bad form. Whereas if you look at Verona. In their last nine games, it's a it's a mixed bag. I mean, four wins, three draws, two losses. It's a mixed bag. Yeah, Verona's key players. You're looking at uh, Di Marco, Zaccagni, Faraoni. Who's going to be healthy in this game? I'm pretty sure Verona has a f- full selection of players to choose from. Kalinic is scoring goals. Bologna too, I believe, for the most part, all the starters are healthy. Except for Skorupski. Except, yeah, except uh, Skorupski. So we're starting to go down again with Da Costa. <laughs> with Da Costa. Unless Sebastian gets his start. Unless he gets it. We hope he does. It won't happen. If they've gone this far with Da Costa, yeah. it's not going to be Sebastian. Unfortunately for Sebastian. Yeah. No, it's true. What it's going to come down to for Bologna is one, they got to take those long shots. Mihailovic, I'm pretty sure you'll start seeing it. They're going to keep the possession in this game. Pin Verona in. Are they going to turn the ball away though with uh, with their passes in the midfield? Are they going to get caught out, or are they going to take those long shots so that their team can get behind the ball if it goes up for a goal kick? You know, to reset play. That's going to be a big factor in the Bologna tactics. On the other side of that as well, can they stop the attack down the left side? That is Verona's favorite side to attack down. 
and they like to use the long ball quite a bit. Um, which Bologna, when you play a high line, that's that's the biggest risk. Yeah. You're gonna against you playing that high line. Are you gonna get caught in those long balls that uh, Verona are gonna play? And they play them really well. And uh, and Verona don't they sit back in a way, but they're not they're not conservative in their sit back approach. Once you enter their zone, they're aggressive. They're gonna come tackle you. They're gonna hit you hard. Yeah. In hopes of turning over that ball and catch you on the break. So it's gonna be interesting how. How fast can Bologna move the ball? Their ball cadence. Are they going to pass it slowly? Are they going to pass it quick? Are you going to try and bait Verona into you before you unlock their defense? It'll be interesting in the approach anyway. That's all up for Mihailovic to figure out. And uh, Verona, you know what they're going to bring. And it's up to, like we said, Bologna. Yeah. It's up to them how this game's going to go. What so do you we'll think? See. Of- I'm leaning more towards... I'm going to lean it into a draw. I'm going to continue. That's what Bologna's been doing a lot recently. Yeah. History-wise, too, if you look back at the fixtures between these two teams, I think the majority of them have ended in a draw. Uh, I'll get it to you right now. Six matches. So I lied about that. Six matches. The last two have ended in a draw. Mm-hmm. But Bologna's won three of them. And Verona, the last time they beat Bologna was in 2016. Yeah, but so, Verona... That's a long time. It's a long time, but this Verona team is very stubborn. Yeah, they're very right? stubborn. It was a, this was a good Verona team last year too, yeah. though. That's not you know. They were okay. They would same same thing though. Hard to beat. Yeah. They would draw a lot of games. Now it seems like they're winning more games, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, but for me, I'm gonna. Go with the draw here. I think Mihailovic. He's tweaking the system. I think he tweaks it enough to to not get a loss against Verona here. So Giuliano's telling you to take the draw. I'm going to tell you to take the Hells of Verona win. And this will be the last yeah. game for Sinisa Mihailovic, unfortunately. You think he's going to go after this? At this point, what have you done for Bologna? Nothing. Bologna is, Bologna is close to relic. They're five points away from safety. That's not safe mm-hmm. for Bologna. And if they drop this game, especially with the upcoming games this weekend, with those bottom teams, that are, they're slowly going to be climbing up and catching up. And you got to... You gotta make a change in the guard. You gotta do something. You gotta you gotta do th- something, Joey Saputo. If you're listening, <laughs> get rid of him. No, no, not get rid of him. But you got if if they lose, you gotta take drastic action. You're in a transfer window. Well, actually, they did. So they did make that big signing, Adama. Yeah. Uh, Sumamoto, I think. Yep. I, I butcher his last name all the time. He uh, recently signed from Lille. So we'll see if he his last appearance was with Genoa and Serie A. Uh, a few seasons ago, he's back now. We'll see if he can add some stability into that defense. Yeah. We mentioned that last podcast, so he should, if he's healthy and up to the the pace of the That's game. That's the key. If he's in, I think he, he may make a difference in this game. Well, we'll see. But we'll see. We'll see. So Juliano's trying to take the draw and trying to take Hellas Verona win. Let's move on to the last, or sorry, the the next game on Saturday at twelve o'clock. Torino hosting La Spezia. Torino, the yeah. relegation battle. This is well. It is kind of Spezia because yeah, no, Spezia is sitting on seventeen points. Seventeen now, fourteenth place. Fourteenth place, but Torino's five points behind them. Yeah, it's close. It's, it's true. Close. Five points is not far off, especially for a relegation candidate. No, it, that's very true. Spezia coming off two wins. They beat Napoli and now Sampdoria back to back games. Impressive stuff. Or sorry, Spezia. Yeah, they did beat Napoli. That's right. My God. That bogus penalty. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that. that. Bo- they stole that game. That is crazy. Sorry, I was. That game. I couldn't believe when I read that fixture. Yeah, so Spezia coming off back-to-back wins, 
Torino recently, uh, their four-game yeah, yeah. Four undefeated streak came to an end with a loss to Milan. But is that really a surprise? No, we no. expected them to lose to Milan. Yeah, that's not really a surprise. Now Torino can focus on a team that they that they should beat. The pressure is more so on Torino to win this game than it is on Spezia. Torino, desperate to get out of relegation, the relegation zone, needs to win this game. They lose this game, a potential relegation candidate slips further away from them. Yep. So Spezia wins this game. Spezia goes eight points clear of Torino and eight points clear of potential safety. That's or, or of relegation, which yeah. is huge for them, right? Which is huge. Um. So Torino cannot let Spezia win this game. Torino got to suffocate them. Andrea Balotti's got to show up. Salvatore Sirigu's got to stand on his head. Singo's got to have a game and a half of his life. Mm-hmm. And Torino have to win this game. And because there's so much pressure to win this game, because you've gotten this far with Giampaolo, you're probably riding him till the end anyways. Mm-hmm. I think Torino's going to win this game. And they're at home. So Torino's going to win this game. Yeah, what about... Uh... He's been very impressive, Angolan. Uh, I think French-born, Angolan international, Enzola. Oh, Enzola! How yeah. impressive has this man been? Oh, he's been great. He, he has for Spezia, right? Yeah, nine goals, one assist, and twelve appearances for Spezia this season. He's the really. And this is a man scorer. who wasn't part of the uh, Spezia team uh, up until this year. Yeah. So he just came in. wasn't even the starter for this team either yeah it was uh that. what's his name Galabinov Galabinov the yeah and uh and Zola just come in this guy's finishing has been you know it's been class Syria quality yeah uh aggressive forward very talented he surprised me quite a bit and I wonder if he can keep this form up all season what do you think about him I think he's a fantastic player uh, he's really proved his worth. I think he's going to move on to a bigger team at the end of the season, given his stats, given what he's done with the Spezia team. Because the Spezia team, when you think about it, they're the same team that was in the playoff, aside from a couple of additional loans and signings, right? Yeah. And Zola being one of them, right? Yeah. So he's a fantastic player. He's done a lot for La Spezia. He's punched above their weight. He's given Spezia a couple of victories, which... It was a shock to everybody in mm-hmm. this league. Um, but I still don't think it's going to be enough for this Torino team against this Torino team. I just This Torino team is going to be 110% focused on this game, knowing what they have to do, knowing the job they have to do. Don't be stupid. Play for 90 minutes. Keep your head down. Don't lose focus. You need this game. That why That's why, I'm. to me, it's yeah, Torino. I, I agree with you. Spezia... Listen, great team getting the yeah. promotion. They've been great. Uh, yeah. But now they're going to be in a difficult run of fixtures here with Roma back-to-back. So yes. we got to take that into consideration. Uh, Italiano also likes to rotate his, fir- his first 11 yeah. on a regular basis regardless. So you know you're going to see quite a few bench players probably come in in this fixture, um, even though it is probably a must-win. And I think for that reason, you're going to have Giampaolo picks pretty much a consistent first 11 you know who you're gonna get week in week out yeah i think for that reason torino because of that solidity better chemistry his team will uh beat spezia here i think so we're both trying to take torino moving on to the next game last game of saturday sampdoria udinese 
Sampdoria. Jeez. I don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> so this they Sam, let you down. This, bad, Sampdoria, eh? this Sampdoria team is just so hit and miss. They'll they show are. up for a game and then they'll take a game off. They'll show up for another game and they'll take a game off. Like You can see what Ernetti's trying to do. He's trying to rebuild Leicester here, essentially. That's exactly what he's trying to do. Yeah. He's gone with uh, Damsgaard dropping deep as a center forward. His Jamie Vardy for the team is now uh, Keita Balde. Yeah. Uses his speed. His uh, Marez is Kandreva. His uh, Danny Drinkwater, if you want to call him, is, is Ekdal. And uh, his uh, Kante in the team is essentially, who's his partner? Martin Thorsby. He's essentially the the destroyer of the play. So he's he's building this team exactly in that mold, uh, which is kind of fun to see. But it clearly it's not getting the consistent results no. you need, and they're just going to be in midfield obscurity. It seems like all season. Yeah, being very unpredictable. You don't know if they're going to win the games they should win. You know. Yeah. They'll pick up a few wins against the top teams, draw games they're probably not supposed to draw. Yeah. That's the Sampdoria team in a nutshell. Yeah. Very confusing because no one, no one saw Sampdoria losing to Spezia. I don't think. No, nobody saw that. <laughs> and, Sorry, and, Lou. <laughs> and, and that's what happened. And that's what happened. They go beat Inter and then they yeah. go lose to Spezia the next game. Yeah, you know it's it's really strange. So anyway, Candreva uh, has been outstanding. He is their main weapon on this team. Sampdoria, consistent first eleven again. Ranieri replicating what he brought to Leicester. He'd play the same guys in and out. Why he got that uh, nickname Tinkerman back in the day, I don't really understand. Because uh, he's always picked first 11s from what I've seen with Ranieri. Yeah. Uh, they love to play a long ball, attempt a ton of crosses, cannot beat Udine, who's kind of hit a bit of a rough patch recently. Although uh, they are coming off, well, they can't, they're coming off a loss that they probably don't feel was deserved. They haven't won. In a long time, Udine. A lot of draws, no wins. Yeah. DePaul has really slowed down when he was the main man. What does Udine have to do here to change their fortunes around? They have to stop leaking goals is what they have to do. Um, since they uh, their last clean sheet was against Crotone, that was six games ago. Uh, since then, in their last five games, they've conceded 11 goals, so a little over two goals per game. Wow. Which is... Not good. Not good at all. Not good at all. I don't know what's going on, and they're not really firing. Like they're not. They're not scoring. I mean, they scored one against Cagliari, who you should score three or four goals against. Mm-hmm. They scored nothing. Against well, we know why they're not scoring goals. Yeah, Kevin Lasagna. Yeah, yeah. So they're really struggling up top. Uh, and you know what the crazy part is? Udinese is sitting in fifteenth place. They're only four points away from safety. Yes, they have a game in hand, but it's against Atalanta. Who realistically they're not expected to get a result yeah, from. Counted as a loss, pretty much. Yeah. So Udinese, like I said at the, in my predictions, is is hovering around the relegation zone, and could go down. And, and yeah, go. And like they need to show up for this game. They need to beat Sampdoria if they're gonna be if they're gonna be safe. You know what? It, for me, it comes down to one man and one man only. We already named him. When you when he doesn't score. The goals he's supposed to be scoring, it puts so much pressure on your defense. It does. Because for does. every miss Lasagna has, uh, when you concede, it, you're starting from behind. You're never able to start a game in the lead yeah, or be in the game yeah. in a lead. You're always coming from behind, and it's not good. Not only is he a problem, 
but he's also Juan Musso is not having a stellar season. No, making mistakes, positioning's not has not been great. Watching him, and yes, there is a lot of pressure on that defense, and it's a you know, and a young you're relying on the form of a young Kevin Bonifazi, and I love the I love the guy. I think he's a fantastic center back, but he can't do it on his own. No, he can't. He can't do it on his own. He needs he needs support. Kevin Bonifazi is a fantastic passenger center back. Shouldn't be in the driver's seat. This is the guy that this is the guy when you pair up the two center backs. Obviously, one's in the driver, one's in the passenger. This guy's a fantastic passenger, <laughs> great, great defender that way. Yeah. But when you put him in the driver's seat, it gets to him, and he makes mistakes, and yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's up to Udine Lasagna. He shows up, he scores first. Udine wins this game. It's as simple as that. Udine, when they take the lead, they don't lose games. No. Uh, but when they're chasing, when they go a goal down, it's pretty much over for them. The best they can do is draw because they don't score a lot of goals. Yeah. So essentially what this game is going to come down to is who can score first. Can Lasagna put in a goal or will Sampdoria eventually get their goal and then the game's pretty much done? That's the thing. Um, Sampdoria is coming off a loss, so they should realistically be on a rise. Udinese has got a lot of pressure to win this game. This is a, this is a team you can realistically beat. Yep to get yourself up a table away from that relegation zone. So it's a tough it's tough to see who's going to show up. It it really is. It is. But yeah. for before if we're going to make a prediction, I still think Udinese is a mess and I think they're going to be struggling in the relegation zone for the whole season. So that being said, I'm going to take Sampdoria to win this game. <laughs> Just don't tell Lou, eh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to say draw for this game. Yeah. I think the most likely outcome is a draw, but I'm going to say Sampdoria. I'm going to go off the Got to redeem. Got to redeem that Sampdoria call. Yeah, they have to. They have to. Because that if, was bad. If you're Claudio <laughs> Ranieri, you're pissed off that you lost that game against, Sam, uh, oh, against La Spezia. If anyone watched that game, you could see how he was, he was pissed. animated he was on the sideline. He yeah. was pissed. So you you're, you bet you're going to see a response from the Sampdoria team. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Giuliano's telling you to take the draw. I'm telling you to take Sampdoria to win the game. Now let's move on to Sunday morning. This should be an interesting game. <sighs> yeah, we'll see. Napoli hosting Fiorentina. May I say, in the last six games, this uh, matchup has been dead even. Two wins for both teams and two draws. Five goals for Napoli, eight for Fiorentina. 19 yellow cards for uh, Napoli. 15 for Fiorentina, one red for Napoli. So this is a very aggressive, low-scoring, uh, it's not a derby, but fixture between these yeah. two teams. What do we expect? I know this is a different Fiorentina, different animal. This is a different Fiorentina, and this is uh, a Napoli is a, we can't predict. And this is a Napoli, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a tough one. This one's a tough one. I mean, if you're Gennaro Gattuso, you need a result here. You need a result to keep your ambitions of finishing high in the table, possibly in a Champions League spot. And if you're Fiorentina, you're you're moving out of the relegation zone. You're slowly moving yourself up the table. I mean, they're sitting in 12th place right now with 18 points. Realistically, they win this game. Sampdoria loses, then they move up to 11th place. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, was so they had a great game against Juventus. Then they showed up and won one nothing. Uh, I get, mind you, it was against the. That was a blip, the Juventus game. The blip was the Juventus game, but mind you, that one nothing game was against a team that concedes the most shots in Serie A. Yeah. 
like more most scoring chances. So and they were only able to put one past them. So that being said, you're going to be playing a much better, higher quality defense in Napoli. Yep. Napoli realistically should be the favorite for this game. Mm-hmm. And Napoli knowing their ambition, they don't they don't get a result in this game, and a result is win only. They don't get a result like that. You can kiss your hopes of Champions League goodbye. Because and, and, and the pressure on Gattuso and yeah goes right up. I guess exactly, exactly. So I think Napoli's gonna win this game. They're gonna hopefully come out motivated. If they don't come out motivated, they've totally checked out. Yeah, I would imagine. This is this game is in Napoli's hands. Yeah. Fiorentina. So what Penadelli's done? He, we all know, he came in uh, shortly into the season, reverted right away. I think he changed. He tried the three man back one game, lost, and then went to four man defense. No success. Now he's reverted back to the three man D. He's uh, gone back to Bepiakini's uh, three yep. five two formation. He, with one striker playing higher than the other one playing deeper. And their entire game plan is to go through Baragi. This entire team. Strange. Why go through him? Everything goes through Baragi. Uh, because he's tireless. The guy doesn't get tired. He runs up and down that wing nonstop yeah. more than anyone. Once again, I'm very disappointed this season with uh, the midfield between Bonaventura, Amarabat, Castrovilli. Yeah. They've been so underwhelming. They have been. Uh, that's it's a big factor. I know Vlahovic, he, we've been giving him flack, but he has been scoring now. He has been. In open play. And on that note, on the Vlahovic note, uh, I don't think we talked about it, uh, but at the start of the transfer window, I don't know if he was recalled or if Fiorentina ended the loan prematurely, but Patrick Cutron is back at Wolves. Yeah, he's at Wolverhampton. So I don't know if he was called back by Wolverhampton or if they terminated it early. I don't know. I don't don't recall the deal, but I know he went back. Yeah, yeah, he went back. And to me, that's like this is a guy that you never really gave a chance. Yeah, and, and they're questioning now whether they're going to keep Christian Kwame, the other striker. So they're very they're very thin up front. Already. And they have no faith in these guys, it's obvious. Yeah. Except Vlahovic. Except Vlahovic, 20 years old. Jeez. So we give a lot of flack, but yeah, we got to remember he's 26 goals so far this season in 13 games. I think three of them are from the spot. Yeah, three of them have them from, <laughs> from the spot. 50%. There you go. So Fiorentina, one-trick pony, Biragi. Shut down right. Biragi. Game over. It's kind of game over and for them. And there's no reason why Napoli can't shut down Christian Biragi. No, there is no reason. No. Napoli, on the other hand, you're looking at Insigne has to really step up as a leader in this team, which we mentioned countless times on this podcast. He does. Who is going to start up front for Napoli is a question. The patate. He's all they have right now. That's all he has. But but almost, I, you know, I want to see Gattuso, you know, maybe just drop Patania, maybe try a false nine. With Chucky? With Chucky, Insigne even. As a false nine. I think yeah. Insigne would be better as a false nine than a left winger. I truly believe that. Uh, I don't think he works as a left winger. He's too slow. But what he does bring is good ball control, close touch. He's hard to get the ball off of. And he's very creative. But I find when you're out on the left wing, you get isolated too much. And yeah. I find Insigne is ineffective there. I would love to see him play in the middle. Get rid of Patania. I know he has four goals in uh, 15 games. But you need someone with more yeah. leading the line. Definitely. for me he's a good sub a good plan b yeah just shouldn't be your first option just in my opinion uh and defensively they just got to get their act together without Koulibaly in this team they struggle big time so without Osiman 
they struggle. Yeah, up top with Orozimen, they struggle. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what they can do. I th- I'm going to give Napoli the edge yeah. in this game, I think. Uh, Absolutely. There's more pressure than even Fiorentina for them to win. Yeah. And I think I think they do it. I think that win uh, over Udine, which they just had, I think that really motivates them. Even though it was an ugly win, Yeah. I think it gives them belief. For sure. And it gives them enough to get over the line against yeah. Fiorentina. So we're both telling to take Napoli in this game. Let's move on to the next game. Crotone Benevento. Benevento. Right? Hands down. <laughs> Southern later. Southern Derby. Southern Derby. This was a City of B matchup last year. Yeah, even. So in City of B last year, the Crotone beat Benevento in their latest game, 3 nothing, which was in uh, 2020 of July. Then Benevento beat Crotone 2 nothing. So it's either... In all their fixtures, in their last fixtures, only one team scores. Yeah. Uh, the other team doesn't score. Yeah. So uh, Benevento won 2 nothing in November of 2019. And then before that, 2019, a little bit earlier earlier in the year, Crotone won one nothing with a red card against Benevento. So yeah. in most recent fixtures, Crotone has the slight edge on Benevento. We're not living in the past. We're, we're living not. in we're living 2021 in now. Benevento has significantly improved. Benevento has invested to stay in Syria, to be a regular mainstay in Syria. Crotone has not really done that. And with that being said, being the worst team in the Syria, are not expected to do much and but go back down into Syria B. But after we after we do the predictions, there's actually uh, something I want to talk about that kind of relates to Crotone and kind of relates to the theory that if you stick with the same team, you got to do something now because if you don't do something now, then you fall apart, right? Yeah. Um, Crotone, I think, is one of those teams. After reading this book, but you gotta, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it uh, at the end. Um, but uh, going back to the predictions, Benevento, hands down, this is a team that's gonna stay in Serie A. Heavily invested in staying in City, invest in their team, spend the money, bring in the players. Great coach on a roll. Have claimed a few scalps. Have had a great season, considering. Um, so I think Benevento is going to win this game. Yeah, the strange thing is, you look at both teams after 17 games played. Benevento six wins, three draws, eight losses. Crotone two wins, three draws, 12 losses. Goals four. There's only three goals difference. Crotone 17, Benevento 20. The difference here is in the goals against the defense. Benevento 30 against in 17 games, which is pretty awful. And uh, Crotone 40 goals against. They concede over two goals a game. That's the difference. Can Crotone fix their defensive woes? No, not with your current crop of defensemen. And do they concede another two goals? Does Benevento have the offense to uh, to punch holes in this Crotone? Because they don't, they don't, yes. they they don't score a lot of goals either. Benevento. No. They really only score in bunches, Benevento. It's either they score a ton of goals in a game or they don't score at all. Well, they haven't scored in a while, so. Yeah, they. that's what I mean. So Benevento, they struggle uh, to get goals. So what do we do? What do we pick in here? Benevento? Straight? I'm taking Benevento. I'm going to take... I'm going to... I'm leaning towards Benevento, but I'm going to lean... A little bit more towards a draw. Okay. Not Crotone. I can't pick Crotone to win, but I think a draw is on the cards because they haven't drawn a match in a while. So, Juliano's trying to take the draw. I'm trying to take the Benevento win. Next game, Sassuolo hosting Parma at the Mape Stadium. Two totally different seasons for both teams. One, 
struggling to survive, new coach, well, familiar face, Taversa, going up against another team on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Hoping for, uh, hoping for to be playing in Europe next season. If I told you this head-to-head record in the last five matches they played, would you believe what I'm about to read? Probably. So the last Parma. five matches, four wins out of five, six goals for, versus two. It's Parma. For Parma. Yeah. I'm against not, the Swole. I'm not. I can't. I'm not surprised because what against the Swole? You're not surprised. Swole over the past couple of seasons has been a mid-table team, right? This yeah. is another derby if you think about it. Same. Yeah, region. they're from the same region. Yeah. This is another derby, and um, I'm not surprised by that because up until this season. Sassuolo's kind of been stuck in mid-table obscurity, right? They've been a good team, a tough team to beat, but they've been mid-table. So has Parma, mm-hmm. aside from this team. And now this and now this season, one's gone one way and one's gone the other way. So what, what are we going to see here? I, I don't know. I mean, Parma Parma had a tough matchup with Diverse's return, uh, and they got smashed for it. He's had more time with this team. I just I don't know like I don't know what to make of this Parma team like are they are they good enough to stay up I don't know are they do they deserve to go down to me I don't think a team like Parma deserves to go down but they got to show it on the field and they haven't shown it on the field right whereas a swallow this yeah. is second like, last place Parma right now yeah second last place a swallow fighting for top six top four they're they're on a bit of a roll mm-hmm. right now they've they've kind of come back clawed their way back a little bit right yeah they get a they get a point every other game essentially yeah. Sassuolo whether it be a draw or a win so this is a tough one to call it's a lot tougher than I think it is so let me say Sassuolo's last losses their last three losses have come to Juve Atalanta and AC Milan yeah that's tough and then they drew against Fiorentina which is a shock so I think you. I think Sassuolo should win this game. Yeah, they they given should. Given the way it's given the way this this season has been going, I just think Sassuolo should win this game. But knowing knowing Diversa and what he's gonna do is he's gonna sit his whole team back. You're gonna see like a San Marino tactic where they sit ten guys back and hoof and pray for one counter attack. And if they capitalize on that, good for them, right? Yeah, that's why I'm gonna lean with Parma on this. I think they're due for a result. It's been too long since they got some points. It's okay. been over a month. Um. So I think they're due. They either even for just a draw, they need to get something. I think yeah. the Versa now he's had a, over a week now working with them. He can get that defense sorted out, which is going to be his strength in the counterattack. Get these players running the the proper routes that he yeah. wants. So they'll be a bit more calculated now, Parma, in their approach, and I think that will give the edge. I don't know if it's going to be enough of an edge to win, but I think it's enough of an edge that Parma are not going to lose this game. So I'll say a draw. Okay. I think because uh, that is that is Sassuolo's weakness. They lose to the big teams all the time. Yeah. Except Inter. They always beat Inter. But uh, they tend to lose the big games. And then when it comes to the bottom teams, they struggle. And it's just for the simple fact of do they have the quality to break down a two-man block? So far, they've shown... They're not capable, so yeah. I think that trend continues. All right. Well, Giuliano's trying to take the draw. I'm trying to take the Sassuolo win. On to the next game. This one's a bit of a doozy. <laughs> Atalanta hosting Genoa. Your boys. 
hey, they've been playing pretty well. They've been, yeah, Davide Ballardini, we've been praising him ever since uh, he's come back. Two wins, only one loss in four games. Maybe he gets a second loss here. I think he's getting a second (laughs) loss here because this Atalanta team is firing on all cylinders. They've put the Papu Gomez drama behind them. They've actually scored more goals in starts without Papu yeah then they have and i don't know i don't know if you saw the interesting uh i think it was on twitter papu yeah. gomez he posted so i guess the whole argument was gasparini wanted uh papu gomez to start dropping deeper and tracking back he felt he hung up the field too much and papu gomez i guess that's what they argued about so recently papu gomez on twitter posted a whole bunch of videos a compilation of videos of him coming back and playing defense and highlighting him in the field and his runs it was, it was very interesting so you can tell uh now that some lights being shed on what the fight was about and it was about his defensive obviously gasparini questioned his defensive commitment and uh papu gomez thinks otherwise so so show it on the bloody field don't show it don't create all this on drama. twitter i know yeah don't show this drama show it on the bloody field man yeah what managers can't say anything these days? Like, what's going on? What's going know. on with this world? I don't this know. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know, but this is ridiculous. I mean, it's a manager for crying out loud. Yeah. This manager tells you you're going to play and get the gloves. You're going to play in net. Yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Like, it's a manager for crying out loud. That's his job. And Pop, who's the captain, on top of it. So we'd expect his attitude to be a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. But I found that pretty interesting. Um, Ilicic has been unstoppable. Since Yossip. he's come back into this team, the Slovenian. What a player. What yeah. a player. Uh, one of the best in Serie A when he's on peak form. Big time. The the Him, Zapata, and Muriel. Honestly, probably the best attack in Serie A. Yeah, hands down. Um, They score a bucket loads of goals. Do you think it continues here? Yes. Like three or four goals? Yes. The rate they're going, they're probably going to be up fighting for the Scudetto very soon. <laughs> At least second. I'm not joking. This no, at, it's true. This Atalanta it's team, true. they were unlucky not to finish second last year. Uh, they lost steam after the PSG game. They did. And uh, they're they're excellent. No one in City I can boast an, uh, an attack that they have. Midfield just gets the job done. They know what they have to do. We're not goal scorers. We are the ball providers for the forwards. So that's their job. Protect their back line intercept the ball, make a tackle, get the ball to the forwards and let them work their magic. It's so simple, but everyone knows what they're doing in this team. It's so impressive. And uh, I'm really excited to see when Atalanta goes up against the big boys. Yeah. See what happens, yeah. Well, they're going to be starting very soon because they got yeah, Milan not too why. far away, so right? they got Milan coming up. That'll be a big uh, one. We'll, and that will be the big test. That will be the litmus test to see Atalanta because be. they've been beating up on these mid-table, low-table teams right now. I want to see this Atalanta play one of the big boys and see how they do. So, Roma. Yeah, so I I agree. I think uh, the momentum continues. They they romp Genoa here. Yeah, so we're both trying to take Atalanta in this game. Now, let's move on to the big derby. The big derby. The derby d'Italia. That's how big this derby is. (laughs) That's how big it is. So enter our hosting Juventus Sunday afternoon at 2.45. At the Giuseppe Meazza San Siro Stadium. This is Scudetto on the line. 
Milan is probably laughing at this game, AC Milan, because they know that one of these two teams is going to fall. But it doesn't matter. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Doesn't All that matter. matters is who's first at the end of 38 games. You could be first for 37 games. On the last day, if you drop Jules, in a second, it does not matter. One of these teams loses, and if Milan wins on Monday, it's going to be hard to catch up. Well, it's going to be – if Inter lose, there's room for them to catch up. It's more so... If Inter lose, they'll go, what, six points behind? I think. They'll go six points behind. But it's more so for Juve. If Juve lose this game, oh, yeah. then they're in big trouble. Oh, big trouble. Right? Uh, but if they win, then they're right back in this thing. This is a season-defining game for Juve. For Inter, it's season-defining because uh, if they beat Juve, it's a statement. It's to say, we beat the champions, the running champions. Yeah. And we're here for real. Which Inter hasn't put in a performance like that since uh, what's his face Stramaccioni yeah. since they beat Juve three one back yeah. when Jay that was Juve's first uh, loss at the Allianz Stadium, I think was Stramaccioni three one. That's a long time ago. It's a very long time ago. That guy's in Iran now coaching. Not so long ago that was. So Antonio Conte going up against his old squad. Yep, his old team. He is uh, secret agent Conte. Secret agent Conte. But we'll. Uh, what do you think? You give me your perspective on the outside looking in. Oh. This twisted Roma perspective, Tommy. Yeah, all right. Because he knows he's not going to like it. <laughs> no, I, I don't care. Spill. Let's hear. Spill the beans. Okay, let's, let's, look, at, let's look at it, okay? Both teams are Scudetto contenders, uh, have Scudetto in their sights, uh, enter 110% focused on the Scudetto. Juve, like it or not, they're focused on the Scudetto. They want, they can win the treble. They're going to win the treble. And I think Andrea Pirlo is thinking about that already. Um, when I look at what... This is how I base this game off, right? I know it was only one game. When you watched the way Inter played AC Milan, and then you watched the way Juventus played AC Milan, it was very different. Very, very different. Um, and, and that's the measuring stick here, right? That's the measuring stick. So diff- different in how? How would you say different? Different in that Juve capitalized on their chances and Inter didn't. And that has always been the story with this. That has been the story all season with this Inter team is they need 20 chances to bury two. Or so bury how, how is this Inter team first in City A for goal scoring? I don't know. I don't know. It is weird, right? It's weird. It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. Especially because they're so reliant on one player. On one player. And thankfully, they have him for this game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, uh, like, if we look at, let's let's line them up, defense to defense. Who are you going to take? Who, who's got a better defense in your mind? You don't want to start at goalies? Okay, let's start at goalies. Let's start at goalies. Let's start at Samir against Chesney. Chesney, hands down. Sorry. Yeah. The, camera, the cameraman can go on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'd even take Buffon over hand on of a trade now yeah I would too. pretty good I so Chesney's the goalkeeper Chesney's the goalkeeper between the two defense wise now so are we doing three man D or four man D oh see this is where it gets tough right because because yeah. you're gonna have you're gonna have a different Juve, systems here Juve's, Juve's obviously gonna come up with a four man D and Inter's gonna come up with a three man D right so how do you measure this let's make it let's do a standard four four two okay let's do a standard four four two so then realistically you have Hakimi Hakimi so Hakimi versus Danilo or Cuadrado if yeah. he's if he's even in yeah you that's, tell me who do you who do you choose that's a tough oh I take Hakimi oh, I that, would too I take Hakimi but Haki, if if it's Cuadrado he goes up against it's gonna be tough for him yeah I just want to see if Cuadrado if he's even healthy right now yeah. but uh 
even if Cuadrado's available, for me, Hakimi, he's the best right-sided player in the league. The no, guy he has is. speed. He Defensively, is. a lot of questions. Yeah. But speed, offense, I think he already has six goals for Inter this he season. He does. Six goals from the right side. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, not as a, not as many assists as Cuadrado, I believe. Yeah. Cuadrado's more of a... Because everyone's got to give the ball to Ronaldo. We know how that is. Ronaldo's yeah. the only one allowed to score. Penaldo. Uh, <laughs> so... Hakimi gets more involved in the goals. Cordado yeah. more of a creative force with assists. But uh, Cordado, yeah, it looks like he's still out. Alexandro's still out. Uh, Matthias De Ligt is out for this game. Defensively, there. And Paulo Dybala's out. Juvent- Juventus are in trouble defensively for this game. Yeah. Inter, otherwise, off the top of my head, I believe they pretty much have a full, healthy squad. Yeah, they should be okay for this game. So let's get to the starting, the starting line. So you're taking... Well, defensively, I'd have to take Inter in this. So no, but player for player, who are you taking on that right wing, Hakimi right back? Or Quadra- Hakimi or yeah. Oh, Hakimi, hands down. Okay, Hakimi for me too. Yeah. So center backs. Center backs. Ooh, that's Bu- a tough one. Bonucci, no. I think Bonucci's even being questioned right now. Yeah. Whether he should even be starting right now for Juve. Yeah. Well, who they don't have any other options really. They don't. Um, in regards to goals against, defensively, Inter is conceding one point three five goals a game. I thought it would have been higher than that because it looks atrocious, their defense. I thought they conceded almost two goals a game. Uh, Juve conceded exactly one goal a game. Wow, they're more stubborn. Mm-hmm. That's tough. We've got to remember, defense, too, doesn't just mean the defenders Yeah, it means per the se, midfield, track and back. All the way up to the front. But defenders-wise, who would you take? I don't know. I don't know. It's a toss-up. Also, I'll tell you for me right away. Bastoni's gone. If I had to choose two defenders, it would be, it'd be Skriniar and and Demiral. Uh, I'd choose. And Demiral. Okay. Those well, would be my two center backs. There you go. Okay. Defensively, it's kind of. Sp- I think it's kind of split down the middle defensively, between the two teams. Yeah, it's pretty even. Although pretty even. Yeah. They, got their, they both I, got their strengths. They got their weaknesses. Yeah. I think Juve defends better from yeah. the from the top than Inter do. That's. But the I big think thing. Inter has the better skilled defenders. They just get isolated from I'll the I'll tell you where they field. lack skill. <laughs> well, we got to pick our left-sided defender. Alexandro's out. So you're looking at, let's throw Danilo on there because he's played there. Yeah. Versus uh, Ashley Young. I take our, the, our best player, Kolarov. The I, best ta- I take Danilo. Sorry. Yeah, you take Danilo hands down. I take Danilo hands down. Now let's move into the, this is where Inter falls and Juve rises. Midfield. Yeah, midfield. That'd give... Uh, Midfield. So let's start with their center midfielders. I don't know why he's been getting flack. Bentancur, I take hands down. I think he's the best he's midfielder. He's fantastic. Fantastic midfield. I don't know. He's been getting a lot of flack in the media recently. To me, it makes no sense. This guy is the beating heart of Juve right now. Yeah. Um, if, if it wasn't for him, this team would struggle. Juve. Yeah, absolutely. He covers a lot of their blemishes. So I choose. I would choose Bentancur. If I had to choose a, a midfield partner for him, I'm hesitant to say Barella because Barella has been off form recently. But He's exhausted. Uh, really, after Barella and Bantacur, even for Juve, who who do you who do you pick? There's well, Brozovic, there's Gallardini, Vidal, Barella. You have Rabiot, Artur. I wouldn't touch Gallardini. I would ne- definitely not touch Vidal. Yeah, Brozovic, I never liked. So Barella, Barella Bentancur. Barella Bentancur, yeah. But then you got your wings now. Right? Now your wings. So you got Chiesa, 
this is where this is where Juve's strength comes in. Yeah. They have a lot of pace on the wings. Yeah. Inter does not have this. So you have you have Chiesa. You have Fabrota who's playing good now. Yeah. Inter, yeah, okay. You could say Akimi on the right Fabrata's side of the as well. Fabrata's gonna have his hands full with if he plays, he's gonna have his hands mm. full with uh, Hakimi. Yeah. So Juve have the edge slightly in the midfield. Up top. Ronaldo. Who do you choose? Ronaldo. Ronaldo and Lukaku. Yeah. But between the two So it's pretty split all the way down. But it is pretty split. But between the two and the way the the way these teams gel, I mean be, yeah, Dybala's out, that's fine. That's a huge well, you say that's it's fine, fine, but I think that's a huge loss because Dybala has always been a thorn in Inter's side. He has been. He always but you got Alvaro Morata at the same time. You do. Who hasn't he's had a, he's had a decent season. He had a decent he was he was having a decent season. He hasn't uh Well compare him to Lautaro Martinez. Yeah, that's no, that's true. Lataro's been stinking up the yeah, place recently. Exactly. But uh, yeah, those are the so it goes to show how they're very close. In in regards to creativity, again, I lo- I love this shot created stat. I love it. Uh, if we're gonna look at so Roma, we saw how heavily they relied on Pellegrini. They're in the sixties. Both of these teams don't have a guy that cracks forty five. Or sorry. So uh, and Juve doesn't have a guy that cracks 45. Inter doesn't have a guy that cracks 48. Can we guess who Juve's top creative player is in the team? Shots created. That's a tough one. I'm not sure. Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo, 45. So uh-huh. he is he is their most creative player from the top. So you, what that tells I'm you... I'm surprised by that because that, he usually just finishes his goals. Me too. So that's what we think of Ronaldo. But yeah. What that shows is that Juve bypassed their midfield. Yeah. Really, their midfield isn't really creating much. They're they're just more of a shield for the defense. And what that means is the ball goes right to the forward line, and uh, they rely on the individual brilliance of Ronaldo yeah. and the other forwards because the next one is gonna is Kulusevski, and the wow. next one after that is Ramsey, who doesn't even play every game. Yeah. So there's really not a lot of creativity in this Juve side. It's more so the brilliance of Ronaldo. That gets you the goals. That's what this shows. It's the Ronaldo show. You got to get the ball to Ronaldo for Juve to win. How you shut him down, that's another question. Yeah. And the strange thing is it's very similar to Juve. I mean to uh, Inter. Inter's most creative player. Take a wild guess. Varela. No. Who's the one guy when he's missing, they have no chance of winning? Oh, Lukaku. Lukaku is Inter's most creative player. So these teams are exactly the same. Is that because Pirlo was coached under Conte, took some of his ideas, maybe? I don't know. But Lukaku is Juve's most, I mean, I keep saying Juve, enters most creative player, 48 chances or shots created. Next to him is Barella at 47. Wow. So what this goes to show is Inter as well. Midfield really doesn't do much, doesn't score a lot of goals, doesn't really no creative force in there. It's Everything's got to go through the forwards, and, yeah. they, and they're the ones that create all the action. Uh, it's very... Strange. I thought for sure these teams would have had more pull from a Bentancourt, from a Rabiot, or say uh, Brozovic, because these are deep line, deep line playmaker. But that's not the case. It all comes down to the forwards. So on the day, who's going to have the better day? Is it going to be Lukaku or is it going to be Cristiano Ronaldo? And I think that's how you decide who wins this game. Well, who do you think is going to win this game? My heart beats, bleeds black and blue. If we believe Inter is who they say they are and they are Scudetto uh, challengers, they have to win this game. The problem is who one of our number one fans, he 
he noted, Inter does not beat the big teams. Yeah. They choke against the big teams. Big time. And if Inter want to get over this hurdle and they want to be considered one of the best Scudetto contender, you have to make the statement. When that's why this is in, this is Inter season right here, this game. You lose this game, you might as well pack it up. Go home. Go home. And that's it. Season's done. The entire season's on the line right here. And uh, for that reason, I'm going to give the edge. I think Conte, what he has shown is he knows how to fire the team up, motivate them. I think it being Juve just lights a fire under Inter like there's never been before, and I think we see a brand-new Inter team, and I think they beat Juve. And I'm, I am being a little bit biased there, I'm not going to well lie. Well said. But that's just, my, that's just my thought. Can I give you my opinion? Of course. I think there's a lot more pressure on Juventus to win this game than Inter, hands down because of where Inter's got to, or where Juve's got to play catch-up now. And Inter has not played a game at all this season yet where it's been, wow, these are this is a Scudetto contender. The fact that they've scored the most goals, <laughs> they got the most goals for. Mind-boggling. And the fact that they're still sitting in second, it, it, it's mind-boggling. So when this team starts to fire, it's going to be scary. But... I don't think they're going to show up in this game. I really don't. I think the history history shows that it's I think history is accurate and that Inter Inter struggles. So what's going to happen is Juve is going to win this game. That's my opinion on it. As much as I hate to say it, <laughs> Juventus is going to win this game. So I and then I know we're going to have some fun on the next podcast. We'll give our yeah. new standing and stuff. So do you think that rolls Inter out of a Scudetto then? That's a tough question because when we preview our next game, which we're pretty sure is going to be an AC Milan win, it would be a shock if it wasn't. Um, it would put, realistically, I'm already guaranteeing Milan a win. So it would put Inter six points behind Milan. And then you have, you're going to have a mix up in the top four. Like, yeah, so, and if Juve win, this puts them a point behind Inter with a game in hand. With a game in hand, they win that game against Napoli, then they go within four points of Milan if Milan yeah. wins the game on Monday, which they should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think six points is a safe bet. Anything can happen. Everybody's still waiting for this Milan team to just kind of fall apart, but they haven't. So, there's credit to them, they're showing some great resiliency. And, uh, yeah, Milan got through. One hell of a rough patch. Somehow yeah. they kept it together. They did. And all the credit in the world to AC Milan for that. Mm-hmm. No hate whatsoever. <laughs> N- none. 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 No, I under- uh, Yeah, I but, get it. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think realistically, Juventus wins this game. It comes down to Juve. And then Atalanta's got a game in hand too, right? And yeah. Atalanta's going to be there. Could we see a top four of Milan, Juve, Inter, Atalanta? For me, personally, I hope not. But I, I don't know. I mean, I just... Juve is the team to beat. They are. AC Milan is not the team to beat yet. No, they're not. Juve is a team to beat. And that's no disrespect to Milan. No, but it's not. Juve, exactly, is the team to beat. It is the team to beat. I just don't think Inter can do it. 
Yeah, and they especially with the way they've been playing. And they haven't been able to. Yeah. Uh and they have not been able to. And that's that's that was the big reason behind yeah. my point. Listen. I'll give you this I'll give you this, okay? Yeah. If this inter team that showed up for twenty minutes in the Roma game plays ninety minutes that way, then it's a totally different yeah. story. They'll beat every team in the league. Hands down. They'll walk over every team in yeah. the league. But they don't. No, they, they don't. They, that's the thing with Inter. They show up for 10, 15, 20 minutes a game, and then see you later. They're gone. Yeah, and it's true, 100%. Right? And, and th- this game will be tight. I'll say that. Yeah. This game will be tight, and it might come down to substitutions. And at the end of the day, who has the edge in that already? Andrea Pirlo. Antonio Conte doesn't Sad know. Sad enough, I know. Yeah, Antonio Conte doesn't know how to make a substitution. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't, right? No, it's true. So. Yeah, these games, it always comes down to one goal, really, is the yeah. difference. Inter has not beaten them. As far as I can look back, it's 2018. They haven't beaten them uh, in in over six games. Yeah. It's been a long, long, a long time, time since Inter's beaten them. And uh, if you want to stop being pretend big boys here and you want to be one of the big boys, yeah. then you got to win. Champions League, you already showed. Listen, that was terrible. It was. Inter needed to make a statement by coming out of that group. It was. They showed that they're not yet a big club. If you want to show you're a big club, you have to beat a big club. And this yeah. is the time to do it. Five goals in their last six meetings is a terrible uh, uh, result. Juve, as opposed to Juve's 10, for instance. So, yeah. Gotta win. That's all I gotta say for Inter. And uh, if you wanna eat at the big table. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, Juliano's telling you to take the Inter win. I'm telling you to take the Juve win. So, let's move on to the final game. I don't know if there's much to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know if there was another game after that. Yeah, the last game is Cagliari hosting Milan. (laughs) (laughs) Is it really a game? Is it really a game? I don't know. The worst team, the team that concedes the most chance is going up against basically the City leader. I had no more notes after that into Juve game. Oh, well, see, that's where it ends for you. I had no more notes after the Roma-Lazio game, so I think I feel. I'm kind of firing in the dark here. No, I'm kidding. Um, So Cagliari hosting AC Milan. Zlatan's back. It's game over. Cagliari's terrible. Di Francesco <laughs> needs to find another job. See you later. Goodbye. AC yeah. Milan with the three points. Cagliari, even when they were good, they haven't beat no. Milan in almost five years. No. Um, they have three goals against them in that five-year period. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, yeah. And this is when Milan even wasn't that good of a Milan either. Yeah. And Milan's been dominating. So yeah. hands down, it is going to be Milan. If it's not Milan, I'll be very, very surprised. Exactly. Uh, then there will be a lot of question marks about Milan, but Absolutely. I think they have this in the bag. No Absolutely. question. Uh, I feel bad. We're going to jump over Milan that quick. Is there any Is there any standout performance? Anything Nothing. you want to see? Maybe Zlatan should be coming back in this game. Well, he's going to play in the Coppa Italia game. Yeah. That hasn't been played yet. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm just AC Milan, hands down. See you later. Yeah. Kind of thing. I know. I wish we could dissect that more, but really... Sometimes What's there it, to sometimes, sometimes it is that simple. Yeah. What is there to dissect? Eusebio <laughs> Di Francesco. You're the reason why this team. See is you later, Eusebio. Yeah. See you later. He. So yeah, maybe this I, better be the last game for him. Yeah. Who do you? So who do you think is next on the chopping blocks? And see, yeah. See, that's a big question. Di Francesco is up. Di Francesco's up there. Uh, Stroppa. I don't know how this guy still has his job. See, for Stroppa, you, we still got to consider. We got to look at. What is Crotone? Really, what were their expectations coming into the season? Survive. But that's what I want to talk about in the next part. Okay, so... I want to talk about that in the next part. 
Okay. Okay. Because it, it'll make sense. Okay. It'll make sense. Okay. okay. Um, so with all those predictions, that concludes part one. Stay tuned for part two, um, where we're going to dissect a little bit uh, about Italian soccer and promotion and relegation uh, from the lower leagues coming up. Which would include, it, w- it, will, it, will light, it will shine a light on possibly why Crotone are the way they are in this in City of the season. Welcome back for part two. Yeah, so uh, really excited to talk to you guys about about this. Um, and uh, so basically, for those of you that uh, are in uh, into uh, book reading, <laughs> especially <laughs> with uh, with COVID nineteen going on, a lot of there's a lot of lockdown, so people are basically getting a book. Yeah, more keep, more free time. These more days. free time these days, right? So there's a book out there. It's called. It's an older book from the '90s. It's called "The Miracle of Castel di Sangro" from Joe McGinnis. Um, so Joe McGinnis is an American author that got into soccer in the '90s and '94 uh, during the World Cup in the U.S. Um, and basically, he followed this team, Castel di Sangro. Um, they're based in their small town in Abruzzo. So shout out to all the Abruzzese out there listening to this podcast. Um, uh, so basically, it's a it's a small town, five thousand people, um, that got eventually got promoted to to Serie B and survived their first season in Serie B, but then got bumped down to to back down to Serie C, C one at the time. So basically, the story goes. So so this team basically started in the amateur amateur division, and went uh, went basically. From amateur to Serie D, from Serie D to Serie C2 at the time, from Serie C2 to Serie C1, and then from Serie C1 to B, and it just it, it might shine a light on why teams like Crotone struggle and why Giuliano made the statement earlier. If you listen to our earlier podcast, there's a statement that Giuliano says that is bang on. So you see teams like. Uh, for those of you that follow the lower tiers, like Pordenone and Trapani and teams like that that come up from Serie C, and they try they fight for for promotion to A, and they have to get it done right away. And it, and when they don't get it done right away, and if they don't get it done right away in the season right after, they fall back down right away because loans expire and players go home. So Castel di Sangro basically gives shines a light on money involved. Like what the bonus is, how team, why teams struggle getting to the next level. So this team, Castel di Sangro, basically moved up to Serie B with the teams, with the sorry, with the players that they had from their Serie D. So the same squad because they couldn't afford anything else, and they moved all the way up to B, and they got this at the time was a five million dollar bonus, like to get into B. But they had all these expenses that they had to pay for. They couldn't play in they couldn't play in Castel di Sangro because the stadium was too small. So they had to play in I think uh, what was it called Chieti something like that. Another 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 uh, area in Abruzzo because okay. it had the required seating for the stadium. So they had to put money into building the like, adding seats. And uh, for those of you that know Gravina, who's like the high up in the FIGC, he was the one running the squad at the time. And uh, like like high up an upper manager, and he wasn't the coach. They had this no name coach who was just a, he was a brute, <laughs> and he just got the best out of these guys. And these guys were just a bunch of of workhorses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no talent, no no real talent whatsoever. Like they brought these washed up guys in that they had money for that they were able to survive. And when you hear about politics, 
that go on and everything like it's it's absolutely crazy so teams like crotone that don't really have that money that much money and no offense to the crotone owners but realistically they're a lower level team they can't afford to bring players in like that and that's why crotone tries to come up with the same group of players and tries to survive because if they survive and they get a little more money, they'll maybe slowly try to build. It just it makes sense financially for them. Yeah. Benevento tried that the first time. It didn't work. It backfired completely. So this time, Benevento right away said, we're going to invest money. And now look where Benevento is, right? Well, yeah. You look. Camille Glick, for instance. That's yeah. a big... That's a big name, Polish International, yeah. Monaco yeah. to Benevento. That That's a pretty to, big deal. You have to put in money to stay up in these upper levels, yeah. right? You cannot just keep going with the same squad. The same squad will only get you so far. And like for those of you that are looking for a good read, read this book. It's a real amazing account. Like I was actually surprised. And now I'm like, oh my God, now I understand why Crotone are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Like how does like to me this whole I'm t- I'm, t- I'm telling you, this whole season so far, I've been wondering. How does a team come up like Crotone and not change? You are in a totally different level where you're at the elite status in Italy, in yeah. Italian soccer, and you don't change? Are you crazy? I know. It's easier said than done to change, but yeah. It is. It's, uh, you have to invest. It's a big, big leap. Yeah. Big leap, a big from leap. Our, from B to A. It is a Italy. big leap. Yeah. It is a big leap. And, and this is the thing now. I mean... The, the the gulf between usually the gulf between like the English league like the English professional league, English professional status is Premier League Championship League One League Two, so four tiers mm-hmm. before you get into non professional right to the amateurs. In Italy, it's technically three divisions. Yeah. So Serie C is but Serie C is massive, massive. Like yeah. There's like thirty six teams. Like promotion to Serie B is almost like impossible. Yeah, it's it's through region and stuff. Yeah. It's a bit of a mess. I really it's, don't it's like a, it. I don't like it either. It's yeah. impossible. But I think missing that fourth tier hurts a lot. I think you need to restructure the Serie C and go Serie A, B, C, and D are your pros, and Serie E make a Serie E and make that your amateur. Yeah, because. I mean, the it, it it is like the book really states the miracle of Castel di Sangro. It is it was a miracle that they made it that far to the second tier from amateur division to the second tier, constant promotion, nonstop. Very good account. Please read it if you're looking for a good book. Yeah, interested. Who's the author again? Just for anyone that Joe wants to McGinnis. Uh, listen, per nice Joe McGinnis. Take a take a good read on that, and like you can. And Joe talks about like the politics behind it, and like there's obviously like things done under the table. We know that it's Italian soccer, right? <laughs> it's it's it, especially it's, back then. It's a custom, yeah. It's yeah. a custom. Like the owner of Castel di Sangro that basically took them. I forget his name. And God, if somebody's listening from Castel di Sangro, I'm really sorry. But he was basically like the leader of the city. Like he was in he was in construction. Yeah, yeah, construction. Yeah, he was in construction, okay, from uh, I think in Naples, and he didn't even say words. This guy had bodyguards, and he'd grunt like that's the power this guy had. This was the owner of Castel di Sangro. Yeah, and uh, it just t- read about it, you know, talk, and you'll see like the politics that get involved. Obviously, you can see why Castel di Sangro goes down after season two, but what they did was nothing short of a miracle. Nothing short of a miracle. So definitely take a look, take a read, and it'll shine some light onto why you see teams like Crotone come up and go right back down right away. 
um, or you see teams like in Serie B, you see it a lot. You see these Serie C teams come up. Then they in the literally their first season they're in, they're fighting around a promotion playoff spot and then they falter. So I'm talking about teams like Pordenone, yeah. teams like Cosenza. There's just too many bodies coming in on loan and too many. It's like a revolving door. Exactly, exactly. Because that's all you, you can really you afford. I know you can't build. Yeah. You can't build that way though. No. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, other than that, not there's not much going on in the transfer market yeah, yet. Yeah, transfer market. It's been quiet. It's going to pick up, I think, a little bit later. Yeah, the only guy that moved recently is Paul, uh, which we knew. He left Yeah, Paul Lidola. Went to uh, Marseille. Disappointing move. Disappointing move. So Liga is getting a pretty decent player. They are getting a very decent player. Uh, oh, so, uh, Socrates went to uh, Betis, I think. He went to Betis? Yeah. Socrates to Spain, eh? Not yeah. bad. Sevilla, beautiful city. Yeah. Can't blame him. I don't blame him. I think but Genoa was pretty nice, too. Genoa was so. pretty nice, too, but... Life balance, you're on a decent team. Yeah. A team that's going to do a lot better in La Liga than a and team he's, that's... And he's done the Italian experience already, Socrates. So. Yeah, exactly. So Interesting, interesting. Yeah, there. it's very interesting. Strootman's still on? She looks like Strootman's still on for Genoa. And uh, Genoa's only going to get stronger. Yeah. They're going to be a tough team to beat the rest of the way. Uh, but uh, other than that, the transfer market's been pretty quiet uh, with regards to Europe, with regards to Italy. And uh, obviously, we haven't heard much on uh, on the MLS front or CPL front because we're in the off seasons right now. Uh, I know Edmonton FC Edmonton is signing a lot, resigning a lot of their players right now. Uh, we haven't really heard anything from TFC Vancouver Montreal. There, there no. there's not much on the front there. Um, but uh, you never know. We'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's very early on in the transfer market. I'm sure you'll see some big splashes coming very soon. Yeah. So. That wraps up uh, our podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the games this weekend. Enjoy the derbies. It's going to be exciting. And we're excited to come back. When we come back, uh, it's going to be halfway through. And we're going to give you, we're going to look at our predictions from the first, very first episode we did way back in September. And we're going to see our top four, our bottom three, and we're going to see if we change them. And we'll give you our reasoning why or why not. And uh, stay tuned also for the next episode. We're going to have some really cool uh, Canadian debate, Canadian content debates. Uh, so uh, stay tuned and uh, ciao ragazzi. Ciao.